and, and he spreads it throughout his body, right? So we really, God designed us that we need each other. Is that true? One of the worst things when, when we don't go to church is we miss out on the grace that's on a body. How many have grace in your life? Yeah, we all do, right? But there is a grace on the corporate gathering. And when we don't gather, we miss out on that grace. And I've used that example many, many times, you know, but um, there's things that people have in this body that you need because you don't have it all. It really is the devil that tries to separate. Do you know in the Old Testament, this isn't my message, but this stuff's free. This won't, this won't come out of your times. In the Old Testament, when Satan was trying to pick off the children of Israel, he would come at the back end and he would try to separate the weak ones off at the back. I think it was the Amalekites. That's why God told him he would have war with the Amalekite forever because they were picking off the weak ones off the back and God didn't like it. Well, that's a type of our enemy, the devil. Uh, when we fellowship, there's a grace there on a corporate gathering that's going to help you. So, uh, and Sunday morning's good. I'm glad you're coming. That's great. And keep coming. But we want to try to uh, engage with you other times too. Is that okay? So much so, I'm going to have hot dogs with Chuck here as soon as I can. I'm going to have dinner with Chuck. We try to meet with some of you guys one-on-one -on -one and get together. I would have a time of fellowship now, but you're, we're, if we're going to fellowship today, you can come down to the potluck, okay? Did you bring your stuff, Bo? Yeah. Okay. I want everybody, will you, will you indulge me for one second? Would everybody close their eyes just for a second? I'm just, I've got a reason. If you're here and you're struggling financially, would you just, and you're, you, you'd admit it to me, maybe it's personal, but that's why everybody close their eyes. Would you raise your hand? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. I was praying about that this morning. I want to pray about that. <clears throat> Father, as I begin to preach your word, I pray for those that are struggling financially. You put that on my heart, Lord. And Lord, you are a God that supplies all our need according to your riches and glory. I believe that with my whole heart. But Lord, sometimes we struggle between the, the now and the not yet, between having it and not having it. We're believing, and I do believe those are there in our congregation that are struggling. And Lord, I'm praying for miracles financially, demonstrable miracles for those that are struggling financially. Lord, first of all, I encourage them to faith that you promise to provide for us. My God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And Lord, wherever that treasure is, if it's hidden, if there's some, something that's holding it up, I just pray you would talk to each person about if there's any holdups, Lord, so they can pray effectively. And Lord, I'm asked, you gave me a miracle for somebody else this week in prayer, Lord. And I expect you to do it for our people too, because you're a good God. I also pray for my message this morning, Lord, that you would help me uh, to give what you got and nothing more, nothing less. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation flow in our hearing and in my speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to encourage you financially. Again, it's not my message. I was talking to Jeff, and I got to, you know, Jeff gives me good advice, and I, and I do appreciate it about you know, when you're teaching and things, and I need advice, and I get it, but one of the things that's hard being a pastor 
is that you're not just teaching and preaching to one person or one need or one situation. There are people that have all different types of needs. I know there are relational needs in this body right now. People that are hurting. If I had you raise your hand, yeah, I am hurting, right? And there are people that are financially, people physically, and there's all the people that are struggling in their walk with God. There's so many needs. And uh, on Sunday mornings, we're not just teaching is a huge part of what you do, but it's not the only thing you do. The Lord wants to meet people in their need. And that's why sometimes the gifts of the Spirit flow. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we're here for one another. So it's hard sometimes when you're, you're filling those needs. But I want to encourage you financially. I had a situation this week. Oh, God, help me. Oh, we've got plenty of time. <clears throat> It'll get better before it gets worse. Or it's going to get, no. Um, I had a situation this week. A lady called me. Have you ever had anybody call you and they, they have needs often? What, and what's a human response to that? Just a, a human, a natural human response. You're getting someone calling you a lot. and Huh? Yeah, again, not to answer your phone. Like, let it ring. And, of course, being human, I, I, I feel those initial responses. But the Lord has showed me, now you need to pick up the phone again and again. When I don't, he, you know, I call them, you know, call them, call them, go talk to them. And uh, anyway, so uh, a person called me, and they have needs regular. They don't come to this church, but they call me often. I'd say between Pam and I and the church, we've helped them six, seven times maybe, and even recently helped them. The church actually had helped them recently pay a bill. And they called, and I'm like, oh, you know, you're kind of... I said, no. So I pick up the phone, and I was talking. And one thing, I really feel bad for this person because they're sincere, and they're, you know, she works, and I won't go into her whole situation, but um, I just felt bad, you know, and, I, and, and the need is so great that it's really more than I can or want to bite off. You know what I mean? It's a pretty big need. And um, I just started praying for her and her family, and because it was bothering me, and I said, Lord, do you want me to do something? And, and you know, you ever uh, throw, well, they say throw good money after bad. You ever heard that expression? You know, I don't want to just throw money down a hole. You know, you get people that sometimes they're not managing their life. Maybe they're not working. They're not doing what they're supposed to do, and you just don't want to throw good money after bad. But, but I, I did care that that need is met. She has three kids. Anyway, I was praying, and Pammy's always my witness on uh, Thursday, or it could have been Friday, but the Lord told me, because I had talked to the, no, it had to be Friday, because I had talked to the, it was Friday, because I had talked to the elders about it, and the Lord told me, I met her need, you don't have to pray anymore. Ain't that good? And I've been praying for her. It bothered me. Her, she has three kids, and she was going to be on the street, and it bothered me, is you don't got to pray anymore. Now, folks, I was praying for answers. I wasn't praying just to throw prayers. I was praying for God to answer. He told me in my spirit, you don't have to pray. In fact, I started praying for her again on Saturday, and I knew if I prayed for her, what would that be? Be unbelief. The Lord told me in my spirit, he met her need. So I called her um, that afternoon. She said, well, two things. She goes, I got that job, and that job pay, I'll tell you, it's over 20 bucks an hour, and I'm, I was kind of jealous of her, to be honest. Like, you make that much? You got hired? And she got a really good job, just got hired, so that's going to take care of her long-term need, amen? And she goes, I called this place, I won't tell you where she called, I called this place, and they said I, they would pay my rent. The whole thing. Isn't that good news? Lord told me Friday, don't pray anymore for I answered your prayer. Isn't it good to pray? 
I'm, pr- I'm going to talk about prayer. I'm going to teach on prayer today, talk a little bit about it. You know, but I went to the Lord for her, and we can't always go to the Lord when we pray for because sometimes God's going to require you to build your relationship where you get your prayers answered. Someone say amen. You think he wants someone else praying for you? Are you a stepchild? No, he wants you to learn to pray. But some people are either weak or feeble-minded or they're, they're baby Christians or whatever it is, and the Lord will let you carry him for a long time. He will, a long time, because you're carrying him, you're believing for them. And you ever wonder, well, why did God answer that prayer? Sometimes God's going to require you to stand on your faith and believe him. Amen? At other times, you know, and that's one of the graces, even mature Christians, sometimes you'll come into a church situation and the gifts will be flowing and God will just slap a gift on you. Just you're struggling, he'll slap a gift on you just because you're being faithful and just because he wants to. Amen? I don't know why God does everything. But God wants to answer prayer. And my message, and this will probably be, I have Randy standing by. The reason I haven't handed out your handout, it's something to study, Jeff. I don't want you guys cheating and reading through it all and then shutting your ears off. Oh, yeah, I know that, I know that. And then, boom, I want you to listen. I'm almost afraid to give you your cheat sheets. You want them? Just stay where I'm at. Don't go down. Jeff, do not read like all the way through and then take, take a nap, okay? I know how you do. So, Randy, would you please hand these out? And I don't know if I'll get done. And, Jeff, I am taking your advice on this. I am not going to rush on this sermon. I may or may not be eloquent. I doubt it. I may or may, but I, but I want to get this information. And speaking of that, while he's handing these out, we had such a wonderful time in men's breakfast. Who was there? What men? Now, was that good or what? Who went home hungry to study their Bible? If you didn't, you weren't listening. Okay, because Brother Mike really, uh, honestly, what it is, Mike, is your study and your time with the Lord and your hunger is transmissible. When, when we see someone else that's digging in the Word and they're hungry, it makes you hungry. Actually, Mike wrote a book, and uh, he has a book he wrote, and there's, it's really, wasn't it wonderful, Larry? And hey, and uh, Linton, next week, or next month, he's going to get up. Linton's going to get up, and he's going to testify, and I guess you're a preacher. Is that right? And Mike's a teacher. We got a preacher and a teacher here. It's going to be good. Man, you should come to it. I'm telling you, it was really good yesterday. I, I, I just read one sentence or a little paragraph in his book this morning, and literally I had to shut it because I was afraid I was going to just sit there and just keep reading. It was really, really good. So when you miss out on these opportunities, you miss out. I'm not going to tell you what it was about, though. You weren't there. Sorry. No, okay. it's, it was good. And hopefully we'll have other chances for Mike to teach. And then next month, we're looking forward to that, guys. Wasn't it good, guys? It was very good. But as your pastor, I've been praying, and one of the things I talked about in the vision or the, the, the goals that the Lord has given me this year is, uh, you know we're a supernatural church, right? I don't want to mention, we're not Episcopalians, unless they're spirit-filled Episcopalians, then we are. I don't want to pick on the Episcop- you know, anybody, but you know what I mean, we're not, we're just not. Unless they're spirit-filled Episcopalians, then we, we could just jump right in there. But we want to be supernatural people that believe in a living God. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. Jesus is not in the tomb anymore. Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father enforcing the covenant. He's enforcing the covenant. 
We don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I believe it goes through Jesus, but it's not to Him. We pray, Father, that's what Jesus said, don't ask me anything, ask my Father. You ought to know that. Ask the Father in Jesus' name. Not for Jesus' sake either. Jesus doesn't need anything. Someone say amen. Don't pray in Jesus' sake. Jesus doesn't need anything. He needs you to obey. He needs you to do what he tells you to do. But you don't pray, Lord, I want to get healed for Jesus' sake, or I need three, I need three dollars for my sake. Amen. But I'm praying in Jesus' name. Come on. So I, you know, I, I got this message, and last week I just about jumping out of my shoes to preach it. I wore tennis shoes this morning to help me. I asked Pam, do I look goofy in my tennis shoes, Pam, because I, I don't want my feet to get sore. I'm going to be on them all day. So I wore tennis shoes so I could spring around a little bit. Folks, we are born to fight. I'll, I'll even say a little bit different. You are born again to fight. And you are in a fight, whether you want to be in a fight or not, you're in one. Some of you know you're in a fight. You're in a fight whether you want to be in one or not. And how many of you know, as a Christian, when you roll over and don't do anything, it doesn't get better, but what does it get? How many really know that? You say, that's true, Brad. As a Christian, when I roll over, I want to cry and roll over. I want God to feel sorry for me, but things just don't get any better, do they? Has anybody rolled over and things got better? The only way that ever works I guess, you know, it never worked for me is God just reaches down and puts you up kind of where you were. He doesn't advance you any, but he just kind of dusts you off. But how many of you know when he dusts you off and he sets you back, you're right where he left you. You're just going to go, okay, we went around the wilderness one time. You ready? Uh, you quit crying, I'll dust you off, get your whipping, here you are, but you're right back where you left off. Someone say Amen. You got to go around the mulberry bush one more time because what you may or may not know about yourself is you're born to fight. I'll read the scripture. How many of you ever watched The Gladiator? Now, I don't know how women are because women, I don't, honestly, I'm not a woman and I'm sure about that. <laughs> I, I don't have any gender confusion whatsoever. I, I know men to me, you know what, sister, I have no doubt figuring out who or what you are. I know, I'm not confused. Amen, Carter. Good to see you, Carter. How many of you all seen The Gladiator? Now you tell me that when that uh, Maximus was in the ring with Claudius, that you weren't wanting him just to fix him good. Amen? Man, we'll go with the men first. How many of you, who's seen the movie, Gladiator? You, you remember when, when Maximus is finally going to get that evil Commodus, right? How many was like, get him, be honest. Come on now. Even the women saying, yeah, get him. You know why? Because we're born to fight. Now, I'm not saying, uh, you know, that, that's a, a natural analogy. You know, I'm not saying we're supposed to, you know, you know, you understand, don't you? Tell me you understand. We understand. But we're there. We're born to fight. We know what that means. We want, who, do we want the good guy to win or the bad guy? We want that good guy to win, and we're born to fight, so we're like, get him. What was that one? Uh, I love the Patriot, and he's in that scene, and they, they kidnapped his kid, and he grabbed his kids, and he had that gun, and he told his son, aim small, miss small, and he just fired up, right? Like, you're wanting them to shoot those red coats? Come on now. Who, who wants them to hit those guys? Did, come on now. Why? Because we're born to fight. 
I can't remember the one. Oh, when I saw, I won't talk. You shouldn't watch Fight Club. It's a bad movie. Don't watch it. I don't know why I put that down. When I saw the deer hunter, okay, I remember when they were in that. How many remembers that scene when they were in that bamboo uh, hut and all the, the Vietnamese were smacking them on the mouth? Mao! Smack. Remember that scene? Anybody watch it? It's a long time ago. I was, back then I used to watch regular movies. I was young and, and I didn't know any better. And, uh, but I, I went to the movie theater, and I watched it there, and I remember being so locked in. They had these guys uh, in these cages, and they were making them play Russian roulette, and these were the guys that you loved. They went to high school together. They hunted together. They were best friends, and they're seeing their friends putting guns up to their head and twirling and shooting, and that Mike, he was the leader, and he was going crazy with anger. He didn't want his buddy dying. You guys, I don't know if you remember it. But when he got up there and that guy smacked him and said, Mao, and he got him to put all those bullets, and he jumped up there and took those guys out, the audience screamed and cheered. I mean, it was like pandemonium. I was in Cincinnati at the time. Cheered because the good guys got out. He saved his friend. He took them out and saved them. And you were so happy that they got out of those cages with those wicked people because we're born to fight. Now, I'm going to make a spiritual analogy here. And I understand I wouldn't harm anybody. I'm not going to smack me. I wouldn't hit you back. Jackie might. You know, I don't know. But, 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 I, 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 <laughs> but uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to get you phys- physically fired up. Actually, we, we fight in a different way. But I'm amazed with Christians, as we become a Christian, we have these men, you have all this fire and all this vim and all this vigor and all this drive and desire to fight, and we become a Christian, and we're in a spiritual battle, and we want to just roll over and you know, whine and cry and bellyache when we're in a battle. God wants to put a spirit of a warrior in us at this church. And I want you to understand, I fought this week for a weak person. I'm not saying so I can be big and strong in somebody. I want to fight for other people. I want to do somebody some good. In, so I want to be strong to help somebody else. It's not just about me. I want to help somebody else. Paul said, quit ye like men, be strong. Everywhere you go in the Bible, the, uh, God's idea is for us to mature and become spiritual warriors. He uses such language as God always causes me to triumph. That's a battle. That's battle language. Jesus held captivity captive. He took a train of captives and drug them, said, I'm the winner. He took captivity captive. Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers and brought them to naught in his resurrection. He wiped them out, is what it says. He destroyed Satan and brought him to nothing in his victorious resurrection because he was at war and he was fighting. He was doing something and he didn't die for nothing. The Word of God says faith is the victory that overcomes this world. And if you struggle, I care about that. We're all at different places. We all have different struggles. I get, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm not saying this so you feel bad, but I want to encourage you to the fight. If you've got an army of 500, you need at least 200 fighters in there, right? The other guys can hide. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, well, Lord, help me get through this message. In the Old Testament, when Gideon was fighting, how many did they have the first time around? 
3,000, I don't remember how many it was, but they had a bunch of them, 10,000 I think maybe, and they said, okay, do this, and whoever's left, they'll be left. So they did something, and I think it got down to 1,000 or whatever, and they said, well, do this, whoever goes down to the water, and he laps like a dog, kick him out of the army, we don't want him. But whoever cups his hand, keeps his head up, and licks the water up, let them stay. Out of 10,000 soldiers, Gideon took 300. 300. He didn't need 10,000, but he needed 300 men, men, and by men, generically, strong women, because women are often stronger than men anyway. You know that's true. Men get a toothache, and they're down for three days. A woman has their things going on, the custom of the woman. They got toothache, headaches, kids crying. They got a job. They're cooking dinner and doing laundry all at the same time, and you're on the couch with a toothache asking her to bring you a 7-Up. You know that's true. So when I say men, I mean you fighting women too. Come on now, that's the truth. That's the tr- I know because I do it. Pam, when you're done feeding the cats and making supper and, you know, would you please bring me a seven up? My tummy hurts. And she does it. Praise the Lord. 300 guys that were ready to fight, that were ready to fight, that were ready to fight. They were done making excuses. They didn't want to be slaves anymore. They didn't want to be in bondage. They didn't want their wives taken over. You look at David, and I'll get to my message. I said I'm going to take my time on this. I'm on my first point. I'm going to take my time. You look at David. David was a victorious warrior. God called him a, a captain, a commander, and a warrior. He was a victor. He fought. He was in relationship with God. He had a covenant with God. He fought a lion and whipped him. He fought a bear and he took, beat him with his bare hands. Come on now. He was in a battle with a giant and he took him on. And because he didn't do it by might nor power, but because he was in a living, real, true, faithful relationship with Yahweh God, he knew he was going to take out that giant. He knew he could not fail because his trust was in God who cannot lie. Someone say amen. He went right after Goliath and took him right out. And he chopped his head off. Come on. We're talking metaphorically here. Come on. I don't mean to be so plain, but that's what he did. Took his head up. He was victorious through the power of God because he was in right relationship with God. He knew that God was for him and no one could be against him. He had a covenant and he knew it. What I want to do is I want to encourage you to the fight. If you lose a battle, you don't give up on the war. Too many people depend on you. Your kids depend on you, whether adult children or baby kids. Your kids, your wife depends on you. Your grandparents depend on you. Your neighbors depend on you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ depend on you. The missionaries depend on you to be praying for them. The kids in Haiti depend on you to learn how to get bucks in your pocket so you can get money to feed hungry people. Bo just collected uh, sleeping bags for people. Someone had to buy those. Somebody had to be strong enough and think about somebody else to gather up sleeping bags so these people that are living outside don't freeze to death at night. People depend on you being strong and they depend on your prayers. Jesus right now, the word of God says, is in heaven praying for you. This country needs your prayers. 
That's the one thing I know the Lord told me after the last election is you better pray. And I have seen these, I prayed about our social media. You guys know on Saturday nights, I was praying about social media, turn it over. Lord, don't let them keep all the media. Do something there. They're lying to people. Break it open so they can't lie. to People believe that ABC's telling them the truth, that NBC's, they're lying to you night and day, and people are swatting it like stupid. Oh, sorry, I don't want to use that word stupid. I repent. Like um, uninformed people. Deceived. Thank you. Stupid's a bad word. I repent. I used it last week, and I'm sorry. I said, Lord, do something. I'm praying about it. People need to hear the truth and make up their own minds about things. They don't need narrative and lies. We need to be praying about these things. The, 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 the schools need our prayer. The government needs your prayer. Paul tells you to pray. And I'll tell you who needs our prayer is the lost. People that are going to die right now and spend eternity in hell, they need you praying. The Bible says there is a place of eternal damnation. Did you know that? It does say it. I don't like to preach about it. It's not a fun topic, but the Bible says there is a hell. It, and, I, and I know there is. There's been enough people to talk had afterlife experiences that they've seen it. And the Word of God says it's true. So we're born to fight, and God wants you to fight. He wants you to be in the battle. As a Christian, you will never be satisfied as a believer in Christ if you do not learn to fight, if you do not learn to stand, if you don't learn to engage in the battle. You always feel like something's missing, or you'll ask these questions, you know, I don't understand why, Lord, why? I don't, I'll tell you why, and I got, I'm going to get into it in the Scriptures. I'll tell you why, because you're in a battle, and the enemy of your soul wants to knock you out. Or make you ineffective, in, ineffective. You've got so many problems, you can't get above. He wants to knock you out and make you ineffective. He wants to keep you from your eternal calling and your destiny because he lost his. We talked about it yesterday. He went in the garden and deceived Adam because he was jealous of Adam because Adam was getting dominion over a planet that he thought he was in charge of. God said, no, you're not in charge of it. You rebelled. I'm going to put man here, and I'm going to give man dominion. He didn't like it, so he tricked man out of it. And God didn't like that, and God made a plan to put you back in charge. One day we'll be totally in charge. Right now, in our connection with Jesus, we can rule and reign in heavenly places with him. Amen? Satan's still the God of this world, but we have power over him through prayer and faith in Jesus. Someone say Amen. If you study your Bible, it's all in there. Let me read this scripture. So, so I, I got this, and we're gonna, I've already talked about the gladiator. I've done that. We're moving somewhere. Come on now. Verse 11, chapter 6, 1 Timothy. You guys with me? Understand when I talk about fighting, I mean metaphorical. I wouldn't fight a flea. But you, O oh man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. That's our battle right there. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you also were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, uh, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing 
which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Fight the good fight of faith. Come on now. You're born for it. You're not born to bellyache. You're not born to complain. You're not born to roll over and play path. You're born to stand up. And you will not get victory against the enemies of your faith by rolling over. You'll get it when you stand up and understand the battle that you're in. David didn't only get victory for himself. He trained up. You ever read those stories about the mighty men? Anybody ever read those? Man, it just, I know as a man, again, I don't know how women read those. These guys were an army that was dauntless, courageous. They did so many exploits. One guy, it was a snowy day, and he saw a lion in a pit, and he said he dropped down in there, and he killed the lion with his bare hands. That's pretty tough, Joe. I haven't done that myself lately. kind of men are these? Mighty men. Mighty, what kind of men are these? One of them took a, you know, he said he killed like, a, like 600 men with a weaver's beam in a battle. Samson killed a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. Do you think that was his natural strength? Do you think Samson, they said historically he was probably small. Do you think he did that because he was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? You don't kill a thousand people by being strong, I promise you. He had an anointing on him. They had an anointing on them. God was on those men. They had a covenant with God. When, and I don't have time to tell you why God sent them into the Canaan. But there's a lot of... I can't go into it. It has to do with the Nephilim and a lot of stuff. I don't have time to go into it. There was a reason why God sent them in there. And He anointed them for the... If God anointed those men who were not born again and were not filled with the Spirit, do you think He'll anoint you? He will anoint you when we understand the battle. So let's get, let's get into it a little bit. I talked about the movies. You can read those two scriptures, but basically the, the, the scriptures, John 14, 12, and Matthew 28, John 14, 12. Just flip, let's read that. I, I, I'm going to slow down. If you don't get anything else, I'm giving you some inspiration, but I want to give you some revelation about who you are. What does it mean to you that you're a son of God? Woman of God, doesn't matter, it's generic, there's no male or female in the kingdom, we're all one. What does it mean to you about being a son of God? Who said that? You have an inheritance, one, what else? Protection, you have protection, what else? You have provision. Amen. Anybody else? Unconditional love, just like you love your kids. Amen. What else? Being a son of God, what does that mean? Hmm? You have new life in Jesus Christ. Anybody else? You have a supernatural connection. How many of you really believe that the same spirit, the spirit of Christ that was in Jesus is in you? You really believe that? The Bible says so. You have a different spirit or the same one? Is God going to treat you any different than Jesus? Jesus is Lord. He's the eternal God. He's the Lord of the church. In that way, we're different. I get that. Just like I have a son, I'm the boss in my house. Until he starts paying the bills, when I mean, you say that before, you don't set the electric. It's funny how my kids turn their heat down to 62 now. 
And I'm not kidding. They used to turn to 80. I'd come home from work. I'd be all hot, and I'd be in the house. It'd be 80 degrees. There'd be zero outside and 80 in the kittle house with windows open because it got hot. That's true. I mean, what are you doing? They didn't understand it. They sure get it now. I babysit cats for my daughter. She froze me out. Oh, Dad, don't turn the temperature up past 64. I froze in her house. I cheated, and she caught me. I don't know how she caught me. She caught me. It's true. That's a true story. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Folks, sonship, and everything you guys said was wonderful, good, and true. Sonship is way more sometimes than we think it is. It's way more than you think it is. You are presently, right now, children of God or sons of God. It doesn't appear what we're going to be. We know that when he appears, what? We shall be just like him. We're on our way right now. You get it? You're on your way right now. You're on your way right now. You're not, your, spirit will not be, your spirit will not be any more righteous in heaven than it is right now. You won't be any more born again in heaven than you are right now. Your mind is going to get renewed quick when you get to heaven. That's what I call that mind renewal. Your mind is going to be renewed quick. When you get to heaven, your mind is going to be renewed fast. You're going to see God. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to see the angels. You're going to see your brothers and sisters. You're going to have understanding pouring into you a mile a minute. And you're going to, you're going to get your mind renewed quick. But it ain't going to help you when you're in heaven. It's going to be you and the angels. It's going to be a boy. I can't wait. You guys can all come over to my house in heaven. We'll talk and have a great time talking about the struggles we went through and life. We'll have a wonderful time. We'll fish, and I don't even like to fish, but we'll fish, and whatever you can do in heaven, we'll do it. But right now, it's not time to fish metaphorically. It's okay to hunt, but metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically, it's not time to fish right now, guys. Right. We're in a war. We're in a battle, and people are dependent on you. Okay, so, so okay, John... 14, 12, I am going slow, Jesus. I'm on my second verse. Most assuredly, I say to you, he, thank you. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, who? It includes she too, doesn't it? It does. He who believes in me, the works that I do, she will do also, and greater works than these she will do. Why? Because I go, who do we pray to? In whose name? Because I go to the Father. Now, I understand I'm not doing all the works of Jesus yet. I've, I've seen some cool stuff, but I, I haven't, I'm, I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm talking this year, we're raising, we're going to notch it up this year. We're notching it up this year. We're going higher this year. This year, 2023, we're going to see more answers to prayer. We're going to see more things. I'm ready to agree with you for your kids to be saved like right now. You say, I'll agree with you, Brad, for my kids to be saved. I'm, I'm ready to agree with you and just snatch them right out of hell. I want to grab them right now by the nap of the neck and say, be saved. Amen. Amen. I'm ready to believe this year. You want to believe with some? I'm ready to believe. I'm ready to fast. I'm ready to pray. He said, you will do the same works that Jesus did. Who thinks Jesus is pretty cool that he did good stuff? You'll do the same one. Who? To one that believes. The problem is, Brad, here's our problem, and, and, and I have the same problem. The problem is believing it. Like, are you kidding me? 
you are, Brad, a son of God. Not the son of God. There's only one. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You have rights and privileges. You have the name of Jesus. You have the authority of God. And you have exceedingly great and precious promises. I can't help it that we dumb this down. And the reason that we dumb it down is this, we're not going after it. We want to save, you know, we want to save Christianity. We want something we can control. We want something that we can excuse. We want something that we can play it down. I don't want, I want, I was telling the Lord in prayer this week, Lord, I'm, whatever you have for me, I want it. Whatever you have for me, Jesus, I want it. I'm hungry for it. Lord, what's getting in my way? If there's something getting in my way, show it to me. Because I don't, I don't care, Lord, if you want me to give up running, I'll give it up. You want me to give up going to the gym, I'll give it up. You want me to quit drinking coffee, I'll quit. What do you want? want me to fast? I'll fast. Lord, I want what you have because I have experience. I had great times with the Lord this week, but I know there's more. Amen. Well, right there tells me there's more. The, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. If you believe. If you don't believe, it ain't going to happen says, because I go to the Father. That's what it means to be a son of God or a daughter of God. When you can pray for someone and you know that God's going to answer your prayer. Because you know that you're a son. Jeff, we were talking about identity. You know that you're a son. You know you can walk into the house and you have access to the refrigerator. Amen? Daddy's electric bill goes up and you're Food bill goes up because the son's home and he's getting in your refrigerator. How many of you got grown kids that can still come in your house and pop up in the refrigerator and grab a Coke? Amen? Do you turn them? No, amen. And they do too. Just don't stay too long. No, I'm kidding. Amen. They have access. They, they have a right. They know it. They walk in there, flip open the... Go, they take all your Twinkies and drink all your Coke and you're left there with no snacks on Friday night. Because they know they have access. We have access to the Father. Oh, i got good stuff to share. I'm going to be preaching on this for, for a few. In Matthew, flip over there, Matthew 28, 20. Jeff, is it okay if I slow down and, and don't rush through this? Okay. Jeff's always helping me. Make the point. I am. I'm trying to. Jeff, my point today is you're born to fight. You were made for the battle. You're here for, you're here. That's why you're here. It's a battle. We, we, it is a, we do get worn out. It, it is a battle. We're in a fight. We need help from our buddies and sisters. If you're not fighting, if I'm fighting a thousand people, the Bible says one will chase a thousand, how many will two chase? 10,000. If you're not fighting with me, I can only fight a thousand. If you step in and fight with me, now I can fight 10,000. If you step away, I'm back to a thousand. If I got, amen. We're getting there. We're getting there. You guys could probably preach this better than me. Yeah, you're you're reading ahead, sis. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you did just exactly what I told you not to do. Amen. Listen. It doesn't matter how passionate I preach it or how dull I preach it. It's true. Jonathan Edwards preached that prayer, that great sermon about uh, sinners in the hand of an angry God and people were falling through the floor metaphorically. They saw hell so clearly that he read it off a piece of paper. 
He was reading it. No, he wasn't doing carrying on like me. He was just reading it. And hell opened up before people, and they saw it, and they were screaming. You ever heard that? He was a great man of letters in American history. They don't even teach about him anymore. Great man of letters. Smartest man in his day. He was the smartest man in the country, Jonathan Edwards. They don't even talk about him anymore. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, a little bit of authority has been given to me. I've got some authority, but the devil has a little bit left over. All. How much is all? What does all mean in the Greek? All. It means all in the Greek. All authority has been given to me in heaven, but not on earth. Not on earth. I can't do anything for you on earth. I can only do stuff in heaven. Is that what he said? All authority, not some, has been given to me in heaven and where else? On earth. Now, he said when he put everything under him, there was nothing that he did not leave subject to him. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. There's nothing that's not under Jesus' feet. Now, when we get a revelation and understanding of that, and we know that we're in Christ, and everything is under his feet, and you're a part of that body where his feet are, you're going to get an understanding that all things are under you too. If you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of heaven, you're no longer, I'm going to get there, we're going to see this, you're no longer under the dominion of Satan. That means Satan cannot touch you unless you give him permission. It's true. Resist the devil and he'll hang around for a while. No. That's why we've got to be on praying ground, people. We'll get there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's in there about three or four times. It says in Peter, same, the same thing. Tells him, resist the devil steadfastly in your faith. Your brothers and sisters all around the world are going through the same battle as you are. Everybody's battling. Everybody's battling. You're not, if you think it's woe is me, well, no, everybody's battling. And I really believe there's everybody in this room that's saved. We're going to be in heaven celebrating together. But not everybody's going to overcome because some of us are going to get deceived by the adversary and we're going to quit the fight or we're going to believe his lies or we're going to give up before we get to the finish. We'll talk about it. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means he has authority on earth too. And that is why he deputized. He says, now I have authority. Now you go. I got the authority. I've got the keys. Now you go in my name. We're representing Jesus. He can't go anymore. He's already come, died, rose again, and he sent out his disciples and his followers and his body. And if we love Jesus like we say we do, it's our time to shine for the Lord. It's our time to go. It's our time to do the works of Jesus. It's our time to fight. It's our time to battle. It's our time not to give up. Come on. How long do I have to fight until you win? Until you win. We're going to take communion here in a minute. Get this. Teaching them to observe some of the things I commanded you. Teaching, 
So Jesus taught these guys. We read about what he taught them. You can read everything Jesus taught them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Can't you? You can read everything he taught them. He said, now you go teach everybody what I taught you. I I taught you what forgiveness was. Now you go teach people to forgive. I taught you how to multiply loaves and fishes. Now you go teach them how to do it. I taught you how to heal the sick. Now you go teach them how to do it. Everything I taught you, I taught you for a reason. I taught you how to love to death, to the point of death. Didn't I? I taught you how to lay down your life in service, serving your brother and sister. Now you go do it. Everything I taught you. Now you go teach everybody else the things I taught you. And he said, lo, I am with you. And if you're in a battle, Jesus will never fail you or never forsake you. You may think he has, he'll never leave you, never. He is married to you and he ain't divorcing you. You're the one that has to sue for the divorce because he ain't going anywhere. Because he's in union with you. He's, with the day you said, okay, I'll pray, I'll invite Jesus in my heart. At that moment, you were in union with Jesus. He accepted you just as you were. And he said, I ain't going anywhere. I tried to backslide and the Lord wouldn't let me. Anybody else have that testimony? Charlie? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I tried to backslide. The Lord wouldn't let me. I thought I'd go out and try to, you know, have fun again in part. I couldn't enjoy it. Wasn't any fun anymore. I'd be, oh, I can't go there. It just wasn't any fun anymore. The Lord wouldn't let me backslide. And I felt silly when I came back. Lord, you forget, yeah, I forgive you. Boop, put me right back where I left off. Whoop, there I was, right back where I left off. Here you go. Boom, here you go, Brad. It's a miracle. I'm, I'm, God put me back. I don't deserve it, but he put me back where I left off. Now, there are some essentials before we move on. We're born to fight. We actually are made to fight. We love to fight. We're just switching from fighting physically to fighting spiritually. Jesus taught his disciples that you are going to go in the world. I'm with you. I'm giving you my authority. I'm giving you my name. And now there are some essentials. I think I might do one and then don't read anymore until next week. There are some essentials to faith. I want to teach you about faith. And that's really all this was introduction to get you to the... I want to teach you about faith. How many of you get your prayers answered? I don't want to get ahead of myself. I believe many of you do. The Lord wants to answer your prayers. If I'm not getting my prayers answered, I want to go to God and say, God, why am I not? I had a battle with the Lord. Where I, I knew that I just, things were, they did not come into my life, but something was trying to come into my life, and it didn't come into my life, but I was in a battle. And I'd get before the Lord, and I just was wrestling. Anybody ever wrestle like that? Like, temptates things just coming at me. And it's a heart issue, and I'm wrestling with it. Because I know that I, in order to go to God and pray, I need to get this thing dealt with. I can't go to God. If I give in to this thing, I'm going to have trouble having confidence before God in my prayer life. So I'm wrestling with this thing. Got to pitch it out. You know, there are things that will hinder your faith. Bible says, husbands, if you don't treat your wife's right, it'll hinder your faith. It'll hinder your prayers. I treat Pam so sweet because I don't want anything hindering my prayers. Plus, I love her. She's, She's cute and she's so sweet. And I love her. But I don't want my prayers hindered. So I'm going to treat her good. Say, Jesus, did you see that, Lord? Did you see what I just did there, Lord? See how good I treated her, Lord? Yes, son, I saw it. 
you hadn't picked a fight, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. No. <laughs> there are some essentials before entering into a prayer life that we have to master. Flip over to Galatians 5, 6. I'm going to wet your whistle with this, and I'm going to end there. You guys okay? I'm going to say this. Guys, if you don't do the Word of God, it don't profit you anything. Got to be doers of the Word. Got to do it. Be a great sermon, but if you don't do it, it ain't going to help you. Paul said in Galatians 5, 6, there's a lot in Galatians, and he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision amounts to anything. He's talking about the law there, by the way. You enter into the law through the covenant of circumcision. Telling the Gentiles, you're not under the law. You can get circumcised all you want and go back under the law. It will not help you. You're dead to it. You got something better. You got a better covenant. But what does count then, Paul? Faith. What can, that's not the law, being a good Christian and wearing a halo, and, and I believe in morality. Jesus is completely 100% moral, but it's a morality built out of a heart that loves God, a heart that loves people. It's a pure morality. He's not checking off boxes. He is pure, and He lives pure. He's holy, and He lives holy. He says what really matters isn't the law, it's faith that works by love reason people die over in India or they go on mission fields and die and pour out their lives for people they say man they got such strong faith now they got strong love they've got strong love and that love causes them to go the extra mile that love causes them to pray until the wee hours of the night that love causes them to go to Africa India or, and to give everything to leave things behind because they love God and God has taught them to love people Carol um, What's her last name? Ward, is that it? We saw she's a missionary in Africa. And she said she was trying to win people to the Lord and she was struggling. She was struggling, winning people to the Lord, asking the Lord what's going on. And she said, I think she was in a, a car or a vehicle, but she was somewhere in the, all of a sudden she said, just heaven opened up. And he said, the Holy Spirit came in and baptized her in love just baptized her in love. He said, he totally, in one moment, completely changed my perspective on everything I was doing. And I no longer was trying to win people to the Lord. I was no longer, said everything I was doing, I had a holy, heavenly passion and love for the people that I was sent to. And she said, that love is what compelled me to be here and do the things I'm doing. And she is doing a whole bunch for the Lord. Said her motive became love. Her motive became her love for God, which transferred into love for people. Faith, there's a lot more in this message, folks, and I'm going to get to it next week and the week after. Faith works by love. Your identity as a son of God, Brad, this is your identity. You're born again. Jesus lives in you. Your identity is love. Just like Jesus loved people, that's what he wants to pour out of you. He wants you to love just like he did. He wants you to lay down, and he's working inch by inch in you, renewing your mind to that fact. When, you, when we begin to love and we begin to take on God's purposes, not just our own, and we have, we'll get there, 
we, we have purposes of our own and those are good, but when we begin to take on God's purposes and take on His DNA and allow His love to work in us, our faith just automatically works. Yeah. Fight? Yeah. Well, it's the whole thing. Your faith, when you're walking in love, just works automatically. It's just smooth as oil, just like just smooth as oil. You're loving God, you're loving people, and boom. In this year, and I'm done, in this year, 2023, we are born to fight. We're born for the battle, and that battle is a faith battle, and that battle is a prayer struggle, and that battle is believing God and learning to believe God. The, the, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. If anybody's going to get saved, someone's praying for them and believing for them. Right? That's the truth. I want to encourage you. How many is ready for the fight? Who's ready? You say, I'm ready for the fight. Folks, then we have to learn how to obtain the promises that Jesus died for. Oh, I could go so much further. In John 16, I'll end here. In John 16, I think it's 24, Jesus said, In that day you will ask me nothing, but whatever you ask my Father, he will give it to you in my name. What kind of promise is that? What kind of promise is that? You think Jesus was lying? You think he meant it? He did mean it. He did mean it. We throw, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to undo some sacred cows in this teaching the next couple weeks. The excuses we naturally go to. Would we rather make excuses or would we rather say, Lord, I want that? Or we want to say, well, I can't have that because boom, 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 boom. You want to make excuses why you can't have it or would you rather say, Lord, I want that. How can I walk in that? What, what do you want? Do you, you want to make excuses why you don't have it or do you want to say, Lord, I want it? Well, I'm asking, what do you want? I want it. I don't want it for Brad. Me and Pam, we're doing pretty good. We live a good life. Things are good. We're fed. We have what we need. We want to see other people getting saved. We want to see the Lord moving in people's lives and people change. We don't want to see that woman struggling, being thrown on the street. We don't want to see, you know, Haitian kids going without food. Do you? We don't want to see a generation of kids lied to on our media and sexually confused and in bondage. We want to see people really changed, don't you? Unless you want to see your own life changed, amen. So, so for the next month or so, we're going to be teaching on this, and I am going to come into agreement with you on pray, praying for things. We're going to learn to pray the prayer of agreement. We are going to pray for things from God specifically and believe that He hears us, and we're going to get our answers. I don't have time to... Go into it now, so let, let me just send it. So we're, we're going to go into communion. Anybody want to get the prayers answered? You can. You can pray for people and spiritual things. You can pray for people and you can pray for spiritual things, and we should be. We should be praying for other people, but you know when you're living for other people and you're giving, you can pray for things that you want, and it'll please God to give them to you. Can I tell you about these shoes here? Can I tell you about anybody mind? I hope I haven't bored you yet. 
these shoes here. I was running down the road on a bike path in Newark, and I said, God, I really want a pair of those Go Run Ride 7s, but I don't want to spend my money for it. I got better things to do. Would you give me the money, Lord, to buy those tennis shoes? Pam, was it two days or the same day? Or I came home, I believe I came home that day, had a friend that was a preacher in Heath, that he moved to Kentucky. He was no longer preaching, and uh, I had a check from him. He had never sent me a penny. He, I came home that day, and I had a letter in my bell box for 50 bucks. These shoes cost 70. I went back on the internet, and they were on sale for 59.99. I said, Jesus, I still need 10 more dollars. He said, no, you don't. You remember this morning when you were going to buy breakfast for you and Charlie? I said, yeah. He goes, Jeff bought that. I saved you 20 bucks. Get the shoes. True story. Jeff picked up the tab, 20 bucks. I had $10 extra paid for tax and shipping. The Lord provided for me. Just because I asked him. No big deal, is it? I was running the marathon. I got 15 testimonies about shoes. I'm only going to share two with you. It's a true story. I ask God for stuff because I don't want to spend my own money for it. I got a lot of testimonies. I was running the marathon. I asked God for a pair of these uh, Saucony Endorphin Pros because they got a nice carbon plate in there and they, they got uh, this really nice foam in here. It's this beaded technology and they have a rocker tech when you run. They roll you in there and they rock the carbon. I said, Lord, I want those. And I don't want to spend my own money for them, but I'm asking you in Jesus' name for a pair of shoes. A couple weeks later, I was three how long it was. I had a man, a preacher, had come over and we had been fellowshipping. And I just told him I ran. I was around the race. Didn't ask him for anything. Didn't request anything. He's never given me anything like that. I got a thing in the mail for a $150 gift card for a running place in Columbus. And I got these shoes, they were on sale, and I got these shoes for, I think, $139.99 plus tax. He gave me a gift card. I've got about 10 more testimonies about just praying for shoes. Why, why am I sharing that? Because God answers prayer. I prayed for my son to be saved at the men's retreat in Indianapolis. Talk about something spiritual. The Lord said, I'm going to save your son. I threw my hands up and said, Lord, I believe you. It was two or three weeks later we baptized him in this church right here. Remember that, Larry? We baptized him right here. I said, I believe you, Lord. God wants to answer your prayers. I can't say that all my prayers have been answered, but God wants to answer your prayers. Folks, what we need with the Lord, any of us, I'm not saying I get all my prayers answered. I want to. We need fellowship and communion with Lord, where we're in an open relationship with the Lord, where He's hearing us and we're hearing Him. Amen? You can pull the, pull the thing. You can pull it over. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. Just bring it over. Communion, what communion really is, we're born to fight. That's my message, Joe. You're born to fight. Communion is Jesus in his battle gave up his life on a cross in a battle, in a fight, and died for you. That's what communion is. 
We are celebrating a man, God in the flesh. God became a man, robed in flesh, who absolutely went to the full measure in his battle against sin and his battle against Satan. He went all the way and died on a cross so you could spend eternity with God. So your life could have meaning and significance now and into eternity. He gave his body on the tree and he spilled his blood for you. Communion is entering into that relationship where you know that's true and you're honoring it and you're saying, Lord, I belong to you. I am a part of your body and I am remembering what you did for me. Amen? I'm remembering, Lord, what you did for me and I'm honoring it with my life. The beautiful thing about communion, Charlie, is when we say the same thing that Jesus did and said, Jesus... I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm not talking about dying for the Lord as a martyr. I mean dying for the Lord daily, living our lives to bring God glory. That's what real communion is. And he says, examine yourselves. You know, I really believe, he's, I believe personally, I know there's different takes on it, but part of that is you're examining your walk with the Lord, truly. And you're remembering what he did for you. Someone say Amen. So what we're going to do as we celebrate communion and our union with God and the great price that he paid for us, we're going to do what we've done the last several times that I've done communion. We're going to break into groups. And please, if you are by yourself, join my group. Come have communion with me. And I want us to break bread together. If you've got a, you and your wife or you and your family, some others jumping in, we're going to go off and we're going to pray and we're going to take communion. And the type of prayers I like to pray during communion is, Lord, I remember that you shed your blood for me and, I, and all guilt and sins forgiven in my life. Anything that's been between you and me is gone now. Lord, you broke your body and by your stripes I'm healed and I'm believing you for physical provision. I'm believing you for healing. And Lord, I am committing my life to you. I'm in covenant with you. You have my life too, Lord. I belong to you. You purchased me. I belong to you. That's the type of prayers I like to pray and think about when I'm doing communion. But we're going to get in groups. And uh, Randy, would you help me? We're going to pass this around. And then as you get your, uh, we call these emblems of all your sacraments, you break off into groups. You can go by families or friends, take communion. Then as you are done and there's no hurry, we can go downstairs and uh, eat, eat, uh, eat together. Charlie, would you pass these out? He's here.